0: to discuss, to listen, and to learn about how to live out the life and teachings of Christ. And this is the church. The church is got uh, the people of God in Christ for the world. And around the world, the church has been a revitalization movement, breaking down social, emotional, spiritual, and physical barriers to God while offering hope to newcomer, newcomers, the privileged, Strangers, widows, orphans, the destitute, the elite, the Jew, the Gentile, whatever labels you would have, Jesus is the hope for all. And his kingdom is a multi-ethnic kingdom with people of every tongue and tribe and nation. So as Christ followers, let's let our God bless America from Tuesday be part of our larger God bless the world today as we gather to carry out the mandate of the scriptures. Amen. In that tradition, let's look to Jesus and consider first how our own hearts might be transformed so we can be swept up in this beautiful, redeeming work of the church, God's people in Christ for the world. We're gonna be looking at Matthew chapter four, and you may be familiar with this text, maybe you've read it before where Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted, which we'll get to. Um, But first, as I mentioned, I wanna give you an action point. So I'm gonna state it up front, Here's, um, here's my hope, here's the practical walk away that I hope maybe we could all take this morning. And it's modeled by what we see Jesus do. Each time he's tempted, Jesus meets that temptation with an idea. He counters the temptation with another perspective. And so today I want to challenge all of us in this room to commit to a pause. All right? That's our action point. Pause. This morning. Nope. Nope. Not that kind of pause. Cat posters work every time. This kind of pause. Pause. All right, This is the kind of pause that we're talking about, and what's more, not just hitting the this kind of pause button, but a holy pause. All right. There it is. When you got a tech team like this crew back here, you just you just leverage their gifts. They're amazing. Yeah, give them a hand. They're awesome. Uh, Jesus demonstrates this this awake uh, this awareness um, in the he demonstrates in his mind, he's awake to the realities of what's at stake when it came to his temptation. And so that's the question for us this morning. You face temptation, and even as I say the word, you have an instant thing, it's a habit, it's a pattern, it comes back every day, every hour, whatever, or maybe it's some bigger life decision that there's temptation looming in your world right now. And the question I wanna consider today is, are we aware of the reality of good and evil in this world so much in a way um, that we can begin to see through the fog of our own desires and impulses and decisions and the effect that they have on our lives? C.S. Lewis um, said this uh, in regard to temptation and desires in his book, The Weight of Glory. He says, um, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Our desires are weak. We tend to think when we're succumbing to temptation that we're giving into something big and powerful. In reality, we're settling for something less. And maybe you remember like in The Wizard of Oz, right? Uh, The the wizard, right, is this big ominous character looming in the background of that story until the little dog, Toto goes and pulls back the curtain and you see a little guy working the levers saying, hey, pay pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. You remember that? All of a sudden he goes from being big and powerful to not so big and powerful anymore. And so behind the scenes of the temptations you and I face, there are these three little not so impressive qualities that I want to examine. And hopefully if we can learn to pause long enough to identify them and look to the example of Jesus, it may help diminish the power of the temptations that you and I face. So. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, um, this text is, is unique, and I don't know how much you read the Bible. Maybe you think this story, the Bible is full of stories of people talking to or d- demonic voices or whatever, but it's not. There's really not much else in Scripture quite like this story. Um, and it, it's interesting, three of the gospel accounts uh, include, and we're going to look at Matthew's here today. Um, but it's it's interesting, I've noticed that people can fall into pretty... Too, one of two camps when it comes to the idea of like personal evil. Um, And that's some, it's like, this is weird. It's not how I experience like, you know, voices or temptation or attributing to some like personal force. And so they read something like this and it's confusing They move right past it. And then there's the other who is like absolutely convinced and fascinated that like there's a personal evil behind every little thing, right? Broke my favorite coffee mug that's Satan, right? They pulled in front of you to take a parking spot, you know, this morning and told you to get behind them, Satan, you know, because everything is a personal evil out to get them, right? And there's these kind of two camps and it kind of divides a room, you know, where you fall on that, like cilantro. Some of us, you yeah, know, all for it, some, no, and it just divides a room. But regardless of your experience, your understanding of how evil works in this world, um, I want to talk about uh, something that... Um, We all would identify evil as being a real thing in this world and regardless of the form or how we experience it. I think this passage in Matthew uh, gives us a way to process our own temptations and choices. And so let's read through it once, it's concise and then we'll go back and break it down. Uh, Matthew chapter four, verse one says this. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. All right, so let, let's unpack this. The very first verse, right? Jesus is led by the spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Uh, you may have a version in your Bible that says, it was led to the wilderness to be tested. Um, And so, what's happening there in the original account, there's a Greek word there, paratso, that can be uh, translated, uh, tempt, which means as in tempted to do evil. Um, But also when translated as test, the idea behind that is to reveal truth, right? When you think of a test um, and how that's meant to reveal truth, think of an education setting, Your teacher, you're giving a student a test over material. What's happening in that moment is you're going to reveal what's true about their knowledge of the subject, right? This test is gonna reveal, did they study? Did they look at the material? Are they aware of what's going on here? Or could they spend all their time playing video games? That test is gonna reveal what's true about that student and their relationship uh, to, to that material. And so, of course, in this scenario, the devil wants Jesus to do evil, but God led Jesus, it says the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness and this is gonna reveal what's true about his character. It's here Jesus is going to do what Israel had failed to do. As the one who would ultimately defeat death and evil, God allows Jesus to be tempted to reveal the truth about his character. It goes on, uh, the first temptation here. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell the stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. All right, so let's look at this temptation. Let's pull back the curtain, what's going on behind it. Jesus is tempted to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. He's tempted to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way, and, and that is this, hunger, Legitimate right? It's a real thing. It's a part of the human experience for design for it. it, There's nothing wrong with Jesus being hungry in this moment. And we may think, you know, what's the big deal about this? I mean, it's just bread, right? No one's going to get hurt. You're the son of God. Yeah. You have divine power. Yeah. Then turn these stones into bread, use it. But this text, this, what's going on in the scenario is so much more than just about the food. The question here is, will Jesus use his divine status, his divine power to serve his own appetite. And from Genesis chapter three, we see in creation that there's this voice that basically says, um, you're hungry? Yeah, yeah, go ahead and use your own. You have the freedom to do what you want. Right? Do things on your own terms. This voice says, use your power to get what you want. And since Adam and Eve gave in all of humanity, the rulers of other nations, the pharaohs and the kings of other nations, all of humanity, Israel itself and Israel's kings, always have this bend eventually to using what they can, their resources, to serve their own desires. And what's, um, in this, what's going on here for Jesus is... A question of trust. Can God be trusted? Can God be trusted when my circumstances aren't what I want them to be? When we have legit needs, can God be trusted to meet them? Would God allow you to be in a place where you have a desire or a hope that's waiting to be fulfilled? Is it possible that you're you're there right now and you don't know if God can be trusted to fulfill it? In this scenario, will you be tempted to manipulate your resources or to manip- manipulate people or boundaries in your, in your life in order to satisfy what is honestly a pretty legitimate need? And when Jesus was challenged to use his divine power to serve his own hunger, something that a human, again, is designed to do, Jesus pauses long enough and he says no. Jesus looks back to a time in Israel's history where Israel had wandered in the wilderness and God had provided them their daily bread. And he recounts the speech that Moses uh, gives to Israel before they go in and take the promised hand where Moses is trying to remind Israel that God can be trusted. And he's, he's essentially saying that God humbled you and he showed you that he could be trusted where he led you. He did this to teach you, Moses says in Deuteronomy, that man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus believed that God led me here and I'm gonna trust him with the outcome, not by using my divine power to serve myself, because that exists to, for, uh, to be used on behalf of the world that I came to save, not to fill my own appetites. Can you see the mind of the devil here? Right, Just meet this little need, right? That's how temptation always starts, isn't it? This is this little thing, right? Use this for you. It's no big deal, it's not gonna hurt anyone. This is always behind some of our temptations. Um, So what legitimate need in your life are you tempted to meet by compromising, by manipulating, again, circumstances so you would avoid the difficult work of waiting and trusting on God? And is it possible that in the struggle, in the pain of waiting for that need to be met that you have, again, companionship, provision, hunger, um, intimacy, whatever these, these needs are, is it possible that God is wanting to do something for you and through you in that time of waiting? Is it possible that we settle sometimes for mud pies in the slum when God had something far more profound for us? All right, next temptation. Um, The second one we're gonna look at, Jesus was tempted to use God to accomplish what Jesus wanted. The text says, the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. This temptation, Jesus is tempted to use God to accomplish what he wanted. Another way to think of this, I heard one uh, preacher teach on this and said, this, this means, this is about presuming upon God. And it simply means this, we're gonna launch into things in this life and we're gonna assume, ah, God will take care of it. The idea of like, do what you wanna do and God's gonna be this big cosmic safety net for you. And then notice the devil even uses one of like the most popular uh, Christian pastimes um, that we see. Sometimes he quotes scripture out of context to Jesus. We, especially people in the church, tend to do this all the time. We launch our ideas and say, God, you're gonna bless us, right? God, you're gonna help me, right? After all, God, you're good. And it says, the Bible says that you're a good God and that you provide. I mean, it says that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. It says it right here. And God's like, ah, you found it. You found the text. You're right. That's, that's, I got, okay. So what do you want? I've got to do what you want now. Right? Another way it sounds sometimes is that we're just going to step out on faith and trust God. And I'm not saying that there's not a time for that. And there's not moments for that. But a lot of times succumbing to this temptation can sound a lot like that also. A lot of times just stepping out on faith means, well, we have this idea we really love. It's not really well researched. I haven't really sought anyone's wisdom on it. It kind of defies wisdom actually. But it sounds like a really great idea and a great opportunity. So we're going to go out and we're going to go for it. We're just going to trust that God's there. God's going to see us through. God's going to carry us through. And we're going to chase after this. It's walking into that test that you didn't prepare for and praying, oh God, help me pass. I tr- you're faithful, aren't you, God? I know I can trust in you to be faithful. And you're going to help me pass this test that I didn't study for. All right. I'm gonna go into this relationship and yeah, I know there's not really some alignment in their values and there's probably that feels like really compromising or whatever, but God, you're a big God and you can change him. You can change her. It's launching into the things that we want and saying, God, get on board. Here's our plans. Jesus is tempted to use God to accomplish what he wants. Um, Are there decisions in life where you need to pause and ask the honest question, Is this decision, this relationship, this path, is this something that I'm hopeful for? And that the only way for me to move forward with it right now is to presume that God is also hopeful for it. Would you pause long enough to spend time praying about it, to seek wisdom from wise people that are around you in your life as you consider that? Okay, let's look at the third temptation. Uh, Here we see Jesus being tempted to do the right thing at the wrong time by taking a shortcut. The right thing in, in the, the, of having the kingdoms of this world, which we're gonna look at in a second, but by doing it the wrong way. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. Jesus was tempted to do the right thing at the wrong time. By taking a shortcut. The devil offers Jesus what he knew was rightfully his. What's offered here to Jesus is something he eventually obtains. Matthew goes on to later record in chapter 28 where we see the great commission, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is something that Jesus got, but he didn't take the shortcut to get there. He took the path, the path that ended on the cross to get there what he eventually knew God wanted and had for him. We have these temptations uh, happen all of the time. Uh, There's another story of this from the Hebrew scriptures that I I love that you remember the story of David and before David is King David, right? There's King Saul and King Saul doesn't like this up and comer, uh, up and comer David very much. And so in fact, he's threatened by David. And so he's on the hunt to kill David. He's trying to take out his enemy before he gets to take his throne. And so David is just trying to be faithful to God and he's on the run and finds himself one day in a cave with a bunch of his. Men and they're hiding out, and who, lo and behold, comes in the cave and is in one of the most vulnerable positions imaginable. As Cain, Saul, it says, goes into the cave to relieve himself, and David's sitting there, and all of this tension, all the thing that he's he's miserable because is in this person right here. He can and, and he can take him out, and he can get the throne. He can get what he wants. He can get what he knows he's destined for, and what he what what awaits him in the future. He can take it right then, but he knows. This is King Saul. You don't lay your hand on the Lord's anointed. At that point, Saul was still king. And so even though David has people in his life, right, his men whispering in his ear, God's delivered him into your hands for this moment. Take it, right? This is a God thing, is what people were telling him. David knows that this is a shortcut and that that is not the path forward. And so David doesn't break his faith that God could be trusted. And he doesn't take the shortcut to get what he wants right then in that moment to get the throne. And do you know what he got in the end? Both. He maintained his relationship with God and he got the throne. Jesus in this moment is tempted to take a hold of something God had promised him. But Jesus knew he didn't wanna break his relationship with his heavenly father. And do you know what Jesus got in the end? He got both. Do you know what we get? When we take the shortcut, we usually get neither. We usually get neither of the things. We we both break our relationship with God and we fracture that relationship and our faith is is damaged or takes a hit because of it. And then we end up, whatever the thing is we took a shortcut for, oftentimes turns out to be some sort of like tainted, like cheapened version of the thing that God had for us in the first place. What is it that you want so bad that you're willing to trade what's important for it? What is it you want so bad that you're willing to trade what's important, your faith in God, your faith that that God can be trusted, your character, your integrity, so that you can get what's immediate? What if we were to pause and remember that God is faithful, He can be trusted, that there's a narrow path that leads to full life, but there's a wide path that leads to destruction, and that wide path is full of shortcuts. So those are the three temptations. Uh, This section of Matthew uh, demonstrates the principles of how evil has lured mankind away from the beginning. These are these three little forces that operate behind almost every temptation that you and I face. And where Adam and Eve failed, the kings of other nations and humanity, and Israel itself failed, Christ, the new Israel, stood firm. Behind the temptations we face, there's a desire to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way to use God to accomplish what we want and to do the right thing at the wrong time by taking a shortcut. And when we begin to see this and how it plays out and the things we're tempted for, it can weaken the power of temptation in our lives. And with that, if we can learn to pause, maybe we'll begin to see our desires not as too strong, but we can see them from God's perspective as settling for something that's too weak because he has something far, far better for us. So what about you? Is there an area in your life where you need to hit the pause button? Maybe you're single and it's a a compromise relationally because everyone else seems to be finding someone. And so maybe I need to settle and change my standards or whatever. Are you tempted to compromise there? Maybe you're dating and there's boundaries or or values that are begging to be compromised. Or maybe it's, it's just in your marriage and you've fallen into a routine. But I mean, what would it look like to pause and go back and look at the vows that you said when you said I do? Maybe it's a physical appetite. Maybe it's just a it's just a very legitimate need. It's 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 intimacy. It's it's food. It's it's um, it's drinking. Whatever it is, are there physical appetites where you need to hit the pause button, and consider what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe in your career, there's an ethical compromise and everyone else kind of does it and it's not that big a deal, but you know that like you can't honestly uh, maintain your integrity and make that same decision. Maybe in your family, your way of like launching into conflict is like always like you hit the springboard of anger. That's where you dive in and like, boom, that's where I'm going here. What would it look like to pause and ask more about what's going on there. What's at stake with those relationships? And what's at stake if you were to find the way of Jesus and what it looks like to enter into conflict through the path of your Lord and Savior? Maybe it's a financial compromise to to, to get something immediate, but by taking a shortcut to take on unnecessary debt, whatever it is, whatever your temptation is, what is it? What does it look like for you to hit a pause button? And in that moment, Take a look behind the curtain and see what's really going on. Would you be willing to pause and see what's really behind it? Is there some need you're trying to fill outside of the boundaries of God's call in your life? Would you pause and consider that God knows what he's doing and he's calling you to trust him and to meet that need in his time? Are you so wrapped up in a dream or some preferred future you see for yourself that you're making decisions and chasing after and you're just hoping that God gets on board and that he's going to bail you out and that he's going to be there to protect that plan? Would you pause and ask, what if my dream for my future is not God's dream for my future? Maybe I should pray about this. Maybe I should seek some wise counsel. Is there an opportunity where you see to to take a shortcut, to get something good, but you know that you're going to have to go about it the wrong way to get it soon? Would you pause and ask God for the strength to endure the struggle, the waiting, and trust Him that waiting and doing it the right way is worth the outcome? It could be your future that's at stake. It could be somebody else's future at stake. Your faith, our faith, every time we're tempted. It takes a hit or it's strengthened based on our response. Beyond those questions of what would that pause look like for you, what if we incorporated what Jesus models from us here and how he quotes scripture in that moment? Could it be a reminder of your new life? Would you like, could you find a verse that you would just commit to memory for that moment when you pause? You know, for me in college, I had a mentor, a guy who walked with me closely in college and it was, it was Galatians 2.20. For I'm crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved and gave Himself for me." I can't tell you how much being able to pause so often when tempted with different things and to remember that one reality helps me, and how much I need to continue to go back to that. What if it's a reminder that God can be trusted and what it says in Proverbs, that trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all of your ways acknowledge Him. Because He will make your path straight. How can we find this moment of holy rebellion where we pause against temptation and we remember, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures tempted to fool around with put your temptation in the blank here. We are far too easily pleased. I know if you're a parent in the room, and you look at your own parents, and you think, "Man, there's appetites, behaviors, impulses. There are things, man, that I wish that mom could have controlled better. There's these things that I sure wish dad had a better handle on." What about you? What will your kids say about you? What will the people who know you best in your inner circle? What will they say about you? What will your legacy be on their lives? Maybe you're an employee and you're thinking, man, I wish my boss would pause before she opened her mouth. Or I'm thinking, I wish my coworker, I mean, I wish he would learn to pause for some of the things that he does. You know, then you're in good company because I see it in other people too, especially my coworkers. (laughs) Just just kidding. We worked that out. That worked out perfect in the eight o'clock, right when I said coworkers, Tim walked on stage. So no, no, Tim's great. There's no fault in him. All right. So if, um, but if you follow Jesus along, don't you know this to be true? And I mean, like you've had that moment of Jesus, I surrender all God. I'm going to completely trust you with my plans, with with your plans for my life. And your plans for my life are more important than my own. And don't you know this to be true? God shows up. And it's really, it's not God showing up. He's always there, but we kind of show up to the fact that God's always been there. Right? You've experienced this in some way. It's this like this moment at the end of Jesus has had his, spent a couple of years in his ministry and Peter has walked with him. He's listened to Jesus teach. He's, he's learned about the teachings and he's seen so far in the life of Christ. And so Jesus teaches one time and he says some difficult things and people get up and start to leave because they're weirded out by this. And, and Jesus turns to Peter and he says, are you gonna leave also? But Peter's had time in and he knows this. And he says, where else would I go? You have the words of eternal life regardless of where you're at and how much temptation that you have overcome or how much of the temptations in your life you have failed to overcome don't forget this god has sided with us he has sided with you and with me against our sin and that's what the cross is he is on our side the god of angels army is always by my side i mean this is this is the beautiful good news of the gospel he has sided with us against our sin he loves us exactly where we are today and he loves us far too much in some cases to let us stay exactly how we are. He sees his image in you, his workmanship and there is a way forward for you and I to walk in fullness of life when we considering, when we consider the staggering promises that he has for us and we consider what it would look like to pause and, and hold out and trust in him when it comes to the temptations in our responses to them in our life. We're going to sing this invitation now. Uh, if you have a decision you'd like to make, you can come down forward while we sing, and someone will be down here to pray for, pray with you and, and talk to you about that decision. Um, and so in this moment, will you stand uh, as we sing? You hear me when I call. You are my morning song. Though darkness fills the night,